Hello everyone, welcome to Cast. This is episode 22 and our second year anniversary. Woo! And birthday. So, so it's, it's good. Uh, this evening, this month, this year, we have... I mean, do you want your hacker handle or do you want your name, Alex? You can do both. We've got, yes. we've got Lil Hacks, also known as Alex Close. That's not his actual hacker handle, but that's what I know him as. Um, and, and yet, he's going to give us a, an insight into what it's like being... Well, what it's like working in blue team, transition to red team, and the, the life of a student, or not a student anymore. So, welcome. The journey. The journey. Hello. Thank you for having me, especially on your special two-year anniversary. Mm-hmm. That wasn't intentional, just just to clarify. It wasn't like, oh, we need Alex for the two years. Not that I, that sounds really bad. But. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm really happy to have you, Alex, because uh, there's something that we've both got in common, and that is, I think we've been in the industry... We both hate Andy. Kind of similar amount of time. We both hate Andy, so we've got that in common to begin with. But uh, yeah, we, we quite obviously we quite often have people that have you know had really long careers on here, and not nearly enough people that just like myself uh, have started out or just kind of transitioning towards kind of pen testing and stuff. So yeah, thanks for joining us, man. I'm, I think it's going to be a great chat. Um, Thank you very much. Yeah. We normally start off just by, as I've kind of already alluded to, uh, just asking uh, how long have you been in the industry and what do you do? Um, well, I'm going to go officially. I've been in the industry for just just come a year. I think it was my one year anniversary of be, being in the industry last week. Mm-hmm. And I am currently working as a security analyst. So, blue team stuff. Blue team front line. So, I get the incidents firsthand. The first one, well, not on site because I do it from home, yeah. but first so, on the line to an incident, and then always escalate upwards when it goes horribly wrong. <laughs> yeah, I love hearing about people in blue team because we get a lot of red teamers. We obviously got Andy here, but you don't really tend to hear. Yeah, we we don't get enough blue teamers in to talk about some of the kind of horror stories from the front line, uh, I'd argue. So yeah, this would be cool. And obviously, yeah, just a year. So I think I'm about two years, maybe. Yeah, yeah, just about. So you are, yeah, just, you're exactly two years because you started the in cast. the industry unofficially <laughs> when the cast started. So yeah, so similar amount of time, man. Like so, yeah, like I say, that's awesome. Uh, what was your route into the industry? How how did you get started? Um, so this is quite a. Well, I, w- I would say funny story, but it's not funny. There's no jokes in it. But um, I originally, when I was in sixth form, I was very into music, and I'm not the most academically gifted when it comes to the subjects that required a lot of writing and exams. So I took the more practical route with what I chose in sixth form, which was IT music and woodworking and then i did sociology on the side which wasn't my strongest subject mm-hmm. and then because i've been playing guitar for about at the time would have been about 10 years i went to an open evening for a music university and i sat through the opening statement and about 10 minutes of a music production course introduction 
and I just turned around and went, this isn't for me. This isn't the... It's just... You just I, knew. As much as I loved music, it just wasn't for me to then go and study it yeah. full-time, because I think one of the things I turned around and said was, if you're a rock musician or you like that sort of music, which is why I played, you won't make any money. And that's something I said at a university, so... It was just like an immediate put of of why would I put all my effort into something if I would never have a job at the end. Especially if it's four years worth uh, of of kind of uni or three years, I suppose, might be in England. But like you say, like that's a lot of time to do something where you're kind of immediately being discouraged by people that have probably been through, you know, very similar situations, like uh, and being told at the very beginning. To be honest, not that different to audio technology. I was going to say, yeah, which you... is what I studied. We got told the same thing. Like uh, most of you won't get jobs, pretty much straight off the off. So uh, obviously we were all there for the yeah. We were fine with that. Like uh, at the time we were just like, oh, we're in a cool recording studio and this will be good. Like, uh, but you know what? We got to the end of the four or five years, and guess what? Very few of us had jobs. You know, they were they were pretty much bang on. So was that an immediate put off for you there, basically, Alex? Um, pretty much because I'd. Luckily, I, I was I was in a band and we um, we won one music competition and did quite well in our second one. So I, I was able to play um, like O2 academies and in front of a few like cool. I think nice. it was up to a thousand people or over a thousand people once with songs that I'd I'd written with them. Awesome. So I pretty much had like the joy of being on stage and doing. Kind of so, so what you're saying is you're fucking successful. Um, you went sack this. I don't want to get any money. I'm just gonna go and oh, sorry, I don't want to not make any money. I'm gonna go and do something totally different because I'm a fucking boss. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, so then because I did IT as well, where it was very basic IT, which was it was at sixth form when I and GCSE when I did at school, it was basically spreadsheets. Microsoft Access for your databases and generic drag and drop website building was pretty much what you got taught. Mm. So I decided um, to go for a open evening for a computer science course on a master's because I thought I I did IT. I can probably go do a degree in that mm-hmm. just for something. Otherwise, I wouldn't have done a degree and. It was during that they also introduced the security course and I was just sat there listening to them and it just clicked, it's like, that's what I want to do. What was it, it just... from that conversation or when you, do you remember at all what it was specifically about security that kind of made you go, oh, that'd be cool? It was, uh, I think when they were describing it, it was more linked up with because it was uh, the course I did was forensics and security together so or like wet forensics or digital forensics digital forensics not like digging up bodies or not digging up but like putting them back together I don't know well, wet forensics is like dead people's (laughs) god damn it's not Frankenstein (laughs) well I mean that's maybe not Frankenstein that was zombie yeah yeah Zombieland, what a great! It would be quite interesting to do a security course, and on the side you were doing like 
forensics where I got to go and to a crime scene and started dusting for fingerprints. It would be a, a very big contrast, but... Enhance. Yeah, enhance forensics. Um, yeah, so, yeah, so, that, so basically, you've kind of, yeah, they've kind of described what, yeah, some of the basic stuff about security, and obviously that's kind of uh, yeah. Take your interest. Yeah. yeah, and it's just like the fact of you get to go. It was a very hands-on course, which is what I liked about it. So yeah. you got to do the assessments weren't write essays or um, just bump out reports based on a certain topic. It was actually go and do an investigation on these hard drives and then report back to us in like a semi-professional way as if it would be like in the real world. Yeah. And it was quite fun because we would do a forensic investigation over about five weeks, just trolling through massive amounts of data. And it's just that hands-on experience and then it was just quite fun for me. Yeah, so, for sure. So, like, carving data out of, like, images and stuff? Or, like, yeah. using things like autopsy and things like that? Uh, yeah, we did it. We had autopsy, and we also used something called Encase. Oh, yeah. Encases. Oh. Fun and games. Encase being commercial digital forensic software, which is pretty cool. Oh, yeah. It, it was... So, it would, it, it would be finding evidence of what's being printed, what people have searched, or and then pulling all the like recovered data from the hard drive. So it was just really interesting to me. And that's why then after they did the first initial talk, it's like, that's the course I want to sign up to. Yeah, that's what yeah. I could see myself doing. Of course. No, that, that's awesome. And like you say, the kind of practical side, if you've came from a more practical background of doing rather than uh, maybe academic side of stuff like at school I did really badly like I did not do very well at any of my exams and it was mostly for that reason and then yeah for audio obviously like music as well all very practical granted with its um theory elements but uh but yeah yeah I I think very very similar man I like getting my hands dirty and that's how I tend to learn best so no that's awesome um what kind of stuff then do you tend to from a forensic standpoint because I don't think we really talk much about forensics with previous guests um what kind of stuff would you be looking to pull off hard drives like is is it basically just anything that's on there are you looking for kind of deleted files as well uh Um, well putting the man on the spot i mean i can i can can help answer that i used to work in data recovery dave but it's all good well luckily i did um because of my uni degree i got to do four years instead of three so i took a for my third year, I, I went and did a placement, so I went and worked with the cybercrime unit. Nice. That's and awesome. Cool. I got to go down to and see their forensic department and stay there for two or three weeks. Oh, that sounds awesome. Which was quite lucky. and um, Cool. It kind of matched up with what we did on the course, which was kind of helpful for when we were going for jobs. But, yeah, we were, it would be... You'd want to pull all the deleted items to try and... Because that's like the first place someone would try hide something. Of course. Yeah. If there was a bad person doing bad things. Yeah. Andy. 
I'm a good person. I'm an upstanding individual. I'm verified you're, on Twitter. You're a good person Twitter, who does no. bad things. So. No, no, no. I'm a good person. Twitter wouldn't have verified me if I wasn't a good oh, person. Oh, he's on about the verification again. There we go. Can we, can we just have a timestamp of how long it took him to say it? 13 minutes, 55 seconds. Uh, I thought I'd just get that in there. Just... Yeah. Right. Have, we, have we got it out of the way? Right. It's, it's out of the way now. It's all good. Congratulations on your blue tick on Twitter for... Fuck knows uh, why. Yeah, <laughs> for, for, for knows why. Anyway, but we digress. We digress. Uh, yeah, so, so. Um, deleted items. And then it's a lot of categorization forensics have found. Mm-hmm. At least it's just fuzzy hashing and stuff. Yeah, and just trying to organize all the data and what you found. Because you can, with the commercial software, you can just run massive word lists. And pull um, all the type of files you want, or any file containing a certain word. So, hacks. it'll pull e- emails, and then if if you've also got a mobile phone, you'd then run mobile forensics and try run keywords against text messages and things like that. Yeah, that tends to be off. quite a useful thing in like capture the flags. I've noticed, like, kind of winter maybe got a standard user just. Uh... Yeah, just searching for strings in every single file. It'll take ages, but uh, I'm, I'd imagine the software for forensics probably pretty a bit faster than what I've been using. But um, yeah, there's a lot of files on a computer. That's a lot to sift through and potentially oh, yeah. a lot of data for sure. Just like sifting through images, just to find the correct ones that match with what you're investigating and then you have to bin off all the rest of them. Yeah, that sounds very cool. Um, so what happened after... So yeah, you, you're at uni, you've learned this stuff, you've done... You know, some cool placements like you've described there. Uh, where did you go from there? Um, from there, I, I was quite lucky. Of, um, I, I, as soon as I handed in my dissertation, I think three three weeks after I finished that, I started um, working as an analyst straight away. I got, well, I feel quite lucky that the fact I was able to have a job, especially when lots of people didn't. During the pandemic, because it was yeah, two months after the pandemic hit, and they just went, "Yep, we can start you from home. We'll get you trained up." Yeah, that one must have been a really crap time to graduate from oh, university it, it after was... you've built up for like four years. You know, you've worked really hard. You know, you've done a lot of stuff, and there's only a certain amount of jobs to go around. A lot of places put a freeze on hiring as well, which I'm, I'd imagine something that a lot of people graduating at the same time as you maybe had to deal with. Um, yeah, it, 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 yeah. It's, it's kind of a, it was kind of like a mass battle. But also, it was kind of different. Well, I felt it was kind of different because I, I still remember my last day in uni and we were all just sitting around talking, saying, oh, uni may be closed on Friday. They think someone's got COVID. They think so. it's coming. Mm. And then... I think this was like a Tuesday or something, and then we went home. Then the next day we got an email saying, yeah, uni's closed forever. <laughs> and that was it? Yeah. That was it. And then oh, it was, what so, so then I, I, I spent, after that, I think it was two, three months, then moving to do uni at home. But luckily I was just finishing off my dissertation. Yeah. That was the last bit I had to do with my project, so. Yeah. And no, that's definitely a rubbish time for anybody. Uh, and yeah. I think for anybody listening, that's you know maybe because we're we're still in this mess, you know, we're yeah. a year later. Um, 
yeah, ho- hopefully the the future is a bit brighter on the recruitment front. I've certainly saw more people recruiting recently uh, I would, than I have maybe done. I would say that the recruitment front has certainly opened up a lot more recently yeah. than it had it, done a year ago. Like the the market in general, both in the UK, the US, and kind of internationally, has there's been an uptick in people that are hiring, mm. um, which is great. I, I mean, the the amount of people that are hiring now has probably gone up quite quite substantially based on the fact that more people can work remotely because people have businesses have set up infrastructure so they can support more places mm. and i think the mentality or the, the the mentality of being focused on offices has changed yes there are going to still be companies that are like oh you must work in the office two days a week or whatever but it, it's gone away from like five day in the office to maybe two days or maybe maybe fully remote for some positions now, that, that's an interesting one right so maybe within the industry where you know a lot of people do work remotely uh, but i think maybe maybe when i started looking into this i thought more people do work remotely than they do so obviously my main exposure was yourself andy um yeah. and seeing and you were obviously been remote work for forever but uh, the more people i speak to the more i'm like oh well, that's not necessarily the default even within pen testing there, there is still a lot of offices where maybe it's been a bit more of a kind of hybrid for a while but yeah i didn't realize how many people do go into offices but yeah. one interesting thing is with remote work, you've got, I suppose, companies, and the way I got my job, we're based out of Leeds. But, um, yeah, <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, you're from Leeds. <laughs> yeah, so we're based out of Leeds, uh, but obviously they went and hired myself in Scotland. Like, but I wouldn't have necessarily moved down there for that job. So, you know, companies are able to pull from a larger, you know, the entire country if you're remote. You know, so it's just a benefit I've never really considered before. Well, not the entire country, the entire world. Look at me. I work the entire a, world, yeah. I work for a US consultancy who would have... Fair point. I mean, I mean they, they, everyone works remotely anyway, but they, they wouldn't really be pandemic have even thought of hiring in the UK. And yeah. now they've got a team of us. So. That's it. Taking over. So, uh, yeah, just getting back to what we're talking about then so that your your good fortune i guess maybe what you maybe feel compared to other people that maybe weren't so fortunate so i I can appreciate your kind of candor on that one um so yeah where'd you go i guess you started the your work life after yes i started my work life just from my home office but it's just been weird this past because especially starting off because i've been in the office total of three times this year and I've met less than half of the people I work with. Yeah. Um, so it's just been... <clears throat> it's been... I, I, I enjoy what I do. I enjoy my job. But there's been days where it's just been completely lonely. Yeah. Because it's just been like, I'm just sat here every day. Yeah. The same walls. <laughs> Especially yeah. with lockdown as well. That doesn't help matters. Like I, yeah. I personally found... So I've started my job pretty much well four months ago so still within the grass of lockdown probably just at the tail end of it uh three and a half yeah roughly wow three and a half months i know it's flew by um but yeah i started pretty much uh well i'm off like one i'm in scotland and everyone's in leeds um but uh it's, it's the first job i've ever started entirely remotely like you say when you're not really meeting people um and it's quite unusual like there, there's yeah. no doubt about it and there, there is times when i'm sitting here and i speak to one of my colleagues about this as well sometimes uh where you know you do have maybe like you say maybe maybe a day is going really badly and you're not able to get in contact with anybody else like you know those days happen we're all busy you know and i think that's the point where if you're in an office 
you know, you've normally got someone that even if you just talk to for five minutes, you know, kind of takes you maybe away from the actual work you're doing. But you don't get that at home and work from home. Like, it's pretty much... Yeah. You're uh, always in front of the work and you're always seeing it. And if you need yeah. a break, it's just... My kitchen, down the stairs. <laughs> That's it, yeah. <laughs> it's a challenge, it is. Like, I, I totally agree. So, yeah. uh, is that gotten? Is that getting better for you with lockdown restrictions kind of opening up and you're getting to use maybe at least your spare time a bit better? A tiny bit, but um, with the role I'm currently in, it's it's been 12-hour shifts as well. Oh, so, yeah. wake up, go to work, finish, cook my tea, and then bed. And then and back then, again. Yeah. Yeah, tough. Are you Monday, Friday, or do you work weekends? It, it's split up, so it's five days one week, two days the next week. So yeah, I, I do get a lot of time off. I, every two days you get at least two days off afterwards, so... Yeah. But... I think the downside of having that much time off during the pandemic is yeah, the days I'm not working, you can't make plans with anyone. Yeah, so I've got a pal going through the same just now in the care industry, uh, where like we're all all of us are Monday Friday now, uh, just maybe with our ages being in our thirties, um, and yeah, he's off during the week, uh, which makes it a bit difficult for him. To kind of socialise yeah. in the way he would and, you know, use that time uh, up. So, no, that, that does sound like a challenge. Um, I uh, think things will get better. Yeah, and it will. The offices are, are all opening up again soon, so I'll get to work with someone in person. That'll be nice. Um, so are you, as, as I think I maybe made an assumption that you're on a fully remote contract when that might not be the case. Uh, will you be on site or have you got a kind of hybrid thing? Um, currently... So this year it's been work from home and then after the restrictions are lifted um, they can reopen the offices and then the majority of us from the analyst team will be going back into the office for most of the shifts. Nice one. But, you, and then, but you've got different plans, don't you, Alex? I have. Yes, my plans are changing. I am... Because uh, next week will be my last two... Sh- two, three shifts, and then I am moving over to the pen testing team for consultancy, so I'll be moving to nine to five and the dark side, red team. Amazing, man. That is the best news. That's fucking awesome. After a year as well? Yeah. Yeah? So, got a year of blue team behind me and then into a junior consultant role, which will be... Exciting. Yeah, I'll congratulations, man! Happy for you. Thank you. Yeah, that'll be I'll, awesome. I'll be pestering both of you with, like, <laughs> "I've broken something." Well, Why? Welcome to the club. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, I'm not quite in red team, so Andy will probably be your man for that. I'm definitely no, you're, more in certifications. In, but you're in pen testing, though. Like pen testing mm. is offensive security. I'm not, not really. I'm oh. still doing cyber essentials uh, certifications. I'm more compliance at the moment, uh, ah, but, but you obviously will with be, plus, you uh, will be yeah. pen testing. So like, don't, don't it's in my job title. I'll get exactly. there eventually. Right. Exactly. Uh, and I do get shadows and stuff, uh, which is nice. Uh, you're not a vampire, so that's good that you get shadows. <laughs> I'm good. Good. I, I'm glad I'm not a vampire. <laughs> vampire. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. No. That, that that's awesome. So. Uh, yeah, I'd imagine there's a lot that you've learned from your blue team experience that you'll, you know, be carrying over 
uh, into doing pen testing and red teaming. So, um, what kind of stuff? Uh, I try to not make it overly. Um, what what's your well, about, what's yeah. your typical day to day as a blue teamer? Would probably be the question that Dave yeah, is about to ask you. Um, Apart from day to day, wake up, cook like... tea, go to bed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that pretty much no. Um, day to day would be uh, log on, have a 15 20 minute meeting with the night shift, and we catch each other up with everything that's gone on. And that works both ways. So when I finish, I didn't do a meeting with the n- next night shift to come on, or if I'm on night shift, I do it with day shift. Kind of handover, kind of thing. Yeah, so we um, update everything that's happened during the day, which is quite good. And then just got to work through um, any customer requests that have come in and any um, open tickets that need response. That's what I usually like to do in the morning. It's just because that's... uh, the morning is usually when things are quietest because people aren't logged onto machines. Mm. So I'll just go through my what, like the general stuff that he's doing, and then we just work off the alerts that come in and start start our investigation straight away. Yeah, that's interesting. So, um, yeah, so I'm assuming that's kind of when you say alerts and stuff maybe see we'll maybe take this from a perspective of because we're both kind of new to the industry and i'd imagine there's a few people maybe looking to take their first role you know having graduated probably at a similar time this year so what can people expect from from blue teaming and doing the kind of role that you were doing so like um what kind of alerts and stuff would you tend to have to deal with um I have to think about this one. My head's going to go blank. <laughs> um, it's all kind of different because because we offer so many services. It depends on Fine, and the what what, what the customer has yeah. on on monitoring their system. But I think the main ones it's just I um. The alerts are generated off specific rules, like snort rules and potential misuse would be like one, I suppose, or yeah, mm-hmm. or privilege or... access or other bits and pieces, I suppose. The use of PowerShell and stuff, maybe. Uh... Yeah, p- p- pretty much PowerShell. Um, looking for detection of behaviour that's unusual. So if something's happening more than once or more than a set threshold, it will then generate an alert and so it like if a computer's using a or if a computer's using a process that's never been seen before but then rules can also be generated for um different logs so it's not just windows logs or linux logs you can then plug them into the antivirus as well yeah to see if anything's been scanned and hasn't been removed Oh, that's a good point, actually. Yeah, things that are like falling into exceptions that wouldn't necessarily normally be an exception. Then I suppose you've got uh, firewall logs and things as well. So when you've got like repetitive hits against endpoints yeah. and responding to all that fun stuff, having the more never... data, the more well visibility, yeah. I guess. And well, as long as someone's looking at it and there's not enough yeah. noise, how, how do you cut through the noise? Actually, that that feels like a good question. With a like... Stanley knife. 
yeah, that takes a, a lot of time. Um, usually, a customer gets baselined, but that's that. That's not what I do at the moment, mm-hmm. or I've I've had a chance to get into. But I think a customer will go through a stage where the, their logs are watched before they go live, before the analyst then sees them. Mm-hmm. So you can cut through the stuff that is generating alert, but it's just normal day-to-day behavior because each customer may use PowerShell differently. So one may run a script every day, every morning, or four times a day that we would find suspicious because we have no idea what's running mm-hmm. or why this big long command is being ran. But it could just be a normal thing that keeps their systems running. Yeah, yeah suppose, so context every, means a lot, yeah. I guess. Because every environment is going to be different. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so there's a lot that goes on behind the scenes to then cut out the noise to then and then um, the rules tr- kind of get amended quite a lot as well depending on if we are seeing a lot of false positives then we'll go back and say why is this rule creating a lot of false positives what can we change to make the detection better tweak it yeah yeah and that must be a massive task, like especially in massive yeah. organizations. Like maybe not so bad in a smaller one with maybe a small IT department or something. But yeah, I'd, I'd imagine across big companies that must be a real challenge. Uh, See, having done purple team, I would argue that smaller uh, companies sometimes are the worst. Like because with a bigger company, generally speaking, they'll have a bigger in-house security team, so they probably have a generally a better understanding of their estate not always mm. true but but sometimes but when you get smaller companies they, they might only have one person and they, they are responsible for IT they are responsible for audit they are responsible for risk they are responsible for security that's their main function so you'll find that like they have less of a control than a large organisation would do mm. and tuning what what is standard traffic for those kind of companies can be much harder than the bigger companies because the bigger companies generally have more budget that certainly that's what i've seen from a property team perspective but it's interesting having not yeah. been full hardcore blue team like like young alex here or <laughs> i say young alex like yeah. same ages well no uh, yeah ah, peaks and troughs <laughs> <laughs> so the um, same age as a peak <laughs> interesting uh, so it's interesting having both uh kind of blue and red team on kind of at the same time uh maybe that's something we should look into doing more in the future because it's interesting questions you get to ask here so andy from an attacker standpoint so obviously if alex here you know they've set up loads of rules um designed to try and catch someone in the act um how as a as a red teamer that you would uh, approach that so you obviously know that I guess you'd do some research on the organization, find out what their security posture is like and whether or not they've got sufficient logging and monitoring in place. But what kind of tactics do people use these days to get around what Alex is trying to do there? Generally speaking, living off the land. doing yeah. like One of the things I've found most successful in, in recent red teams is not using anything exploitative or anything malicious, just operating like a standard user would operate. Logging in, like one of the things I tend to do is if I can compromise a user, I'll use like RDP shadowing, which is a technique that enables you to watch what a user is doing 
and if the objective is to go after like say the objective is to go after finance and they access a specific finance system on a day of the week or whatever uh, i'll watch that user for like a week or two weeks and i'll work out how they do what they do in their machine and then i'll replicate it so that from a blue team perspective there's no difference right god damn that's terrifying (laughs) that's what i would do and that's primarily because well i've got a lot of experience doing it but kind of more script kiddy stuff is just barreling in and kind of hail mary which sometimes arguably is it can be better than the technique i just spoke about there because you then overwhelm the sock with noise and if you flood noise and like one one of the things you have is like psychological warfare or guerrilla warfare when it comes to cyber where you you like start setting fires over over in a corner while you do stuff on the other side of the network Mm. so that sounds like a nightmare right so um from my point of view you you would then like probably aim a bunch of stuff for like the intrusion detection system fire network traffic and then go do rdp somewhere else yeah and that one rdp log probably looks relatively normal in comparison to the big fire that's been started yeah uh, damn like and do you as a blue teamer like obviously no specifics at all but um is it quite obvious for you when a kind of script kiddie um someone just firing off automated tools and doesn't you know it doesn't even maybe know to be stealthy or how to do it even if they wanted to or doesn't um, care or just doesn't care at all. Um, is, um, is that quite clear to, to kind of blue teams uh, from your experience when that's happening? From my experience, I, I, I've seen it once, but that's because I've only been there a year. So of course, yeah. Um, but it's kind of like a, a generic one of the way I I was quite lucky because I I caught it on my shift. I'm, I'm quite proud of it, but. Um, it was very rushed. So it was somebody trying to download something and then fire it off straight away. Yeah. And then it was just an immediate of reading it. You could just tell by a keyword of what they were running. It's like, this should not happen. Yeah. But you could tell it, it wasn't thought out of let's get the user then let's see what the process is the user's running and then try and mimic them or use them for our own gain. It was, let's just download something that we know might work and then fire off. But but then that runs the risk of also generating alert because you don't actually know who's monitoring you. Yeah, that's true. In a red team, you're... Well, it depends on your reconnaissance, but nine times out of ten, you're you're kind of blind to what defensive teams can see, unless you can see what's on the endpoint. But at that point in time, you're kind of you're you're running. Well, most people run about like paranoid folks, but the the skids are just kind of hail mary and not giving a fuck, just being like yeah. yeet. <laughs> yeah. So. But I, I, are you glad? I've also seen like um, generic web traffic where. People are just firing stuff they found on Google against the public-facing website. Yeah, and it's it, it's not working because they're just copy and pasting the generic thing, hoping that it's gonna work. Yeah. Signatures, 
everywhere i'm yeah. sure for a lot of bypasses and stuff and web applications and that yeah. sort of stuff yeah that's it yeah because i mean obviously i think that's where you start getting yeah that's the transition from script kiddie into uh probably a decent security consultant or at least hacker uh would be yeah when you start writing your own bespoke stuff and and imagine that's where well, I suppose the thing about something that's bespoke is it's never been seen before, but if you do the inverse of looking for a signature, like, and I suppose you can maybe even get caught by having something that's super unique. Uh, would that be the case, Andy? You mean as in going like off-piste kind of stuff? Well, I'm just thinking like um, like you were saying about you, you're looking at kind of not, you're looking for normal traffic. Um, yep. You're looking for normal things being executed, but Surely files with like lots of new strings that have never been seen before and there's no signature for it would have the inverse effect of a signature which has been seen before. But if you've got a really good baseline and you're seeing stuff that's never been used, like Yeah, well I suppose a prime example yeah, a prime example of that is like if you drop into an environment and the environment is uh, very PowerShell heavy, but they've never used a Windows management interface, yeah. um WMI and that starts getting used in the environment then yeah that's that's likely to ring off alarm bells mm. and equally if you're going in with for example if powershell is used quite a lot but powershell encoded commands the moment you see encoded commands from a blue team perspective i mean sometimes it's legit a bit but probably nine out of ten times is uh is dodgy so that'll be why a, a perfectly innocent reconnaissance tool that i've been building to try and get an idea of uh yeah, basically just like the, the version number across the estate, kind of using SMB, uh, basically gets swallowed up by every AV that exists. Uh, and I'm wondering if that's something to do with that. Because um, uh, that, that I'm basically encoding it and uh, pulling it using yeah, that yeah. IEX command from yeah. the internet. So, so IEX <laughs> is flagged by AV. Anything that's really yeah. base64 encoded or base32 encoded or just encoded in general, tends to get flagged or at least i see yeah. it from a red team perspective so it uh, should <laughs> obviously because yeah. like you say who's the, the legitimate usage i can't imagine there's many of them for kind well, of doing encoding and stuff well funny you should say that uh i think they fixed it now but for a while defender was pulling down updates using the encoded command it would pull down its update in an encoded string and then uh d uh unpack it and then um, update it over an http connection and then flag itself for being a virus. <laughs> I'm like, uh, I don't even know what's happening. It's, it's like the Spider-Man meme where they're like pointing at each other. It's exactly what it is. <laughs> no, it was you. No, it was you. Anyway, uh, I have anyway, seen we that. digress. Yeah. I have I've seen that where um, I think my favorite one is Sophos removed a Sophos update because it thought it was malware. <laughs> Ouch. It like, <laughs> it's yourself. And then <laughs> talking about encoding fans. I think Microsoft Edge does the same thing. I think it might just be a Microsoft thing where they like to use encoded commands for their updates. Yeah. And then it flags themselves with the antivirus. Yeah, creating false positives for you to have to sift through, I guess, like whenever that yeah. stuff happens. Yeah, that's super annoying. Uh, so, um, yeah. Uh, getting, getting back on topic. Yeah. I mean, not, not that we went <laughs> off topic, topic, but we yeah, in, no, interesting. Yeah, blue in, teamy red teamy stuff it's all in, good interesting digression like in terms of like the areas of security right now for you alex where are you most interested what, what are you most interested in um big question i think i'm most interested in i, I want to go into cloud security mm. and a mixture of exploitation and development because it's something i've played around with a tiny bit and i've built a few things 
But it's just... It's not how easy it is. It's just... How easy it is, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> it's not easy. I have... I'm not saying it was aliens, that. but it was the aliens. <laughs> yeah. It's not but, easy, but you put the work in, uh, I'd imagine. Yeah. Like, it's like, yeah. I, I, I never thought I'd be able to deploy my own GitLab or deploy my own website, but then going on to AWS and messing around with their own images and installations. It's like, Oh yeah, the ship posting it, countdown timer. Forgot you made that in AWS. <laughs> we need one of them oh, yeah. for this cast. Like, no, that's awesome. So I had an interesting kind of experience uh, just last weekend. So I was trying to find a way to... I run Nessus credential patch audits on pretty much every job that I do for Cyber Essentials. Um, and... Yeah, I, I'm noticing a lot more people working from home. A lot more companies, of obviously with the pandemic, um, where companies, especially if they're newly formed, like they don't really have an office. Like they've got an office space, uh, but it's not a traditional network. Um, all their devices are like maybe Azure AD kind of connected uh, through the cloud. Um they only use software as a service. There's no VPN connection. There's no infrastructure to connect to. And that's how, like, literally the entire company runs. Uh, and that's actually seemingly getting more common, uh, which makes testing a bit of a pain um, when all of our tooling's based around kind of traditional networks. Um, but uh, basically, I, I had to kind of set up an, an Azure month free trial to see if you could get the Azure AD credentials to work with Nessus. Uh, newsflash for anyone interested, you can't. It doesn't work, uh, which is a bit of a pain. Uh, but you know what? That was such a valuable experience uh, because it basically meant set, setting up you know, my own Active Directory through Azure. Uh, at the same time, I set up some virtual machines as well. You know, a uh, whole bunch of stuff. Like, um, it's incredible how powerful the cloud is. Um and that's the way we're going, obviously, as well, by the looks of my experience, anyway. So, good shout on <laughs> deciding yeah. you might want to specialise on it. Is that part of the reasoning? Um, pretty much, it's an area I want to move into. So, I think consultancy and then possibly further down the line in a few years, move over to the cloud team. Mm. And But it's just, like, I never thought I could build a website deploy it somewhere and then make it fully secure and accessible and turn everything off with just how easy it is on the cloud infrastructure. Yeah. It's like, it, it just, it, it took me about a week mm-hmm. to get everything ready when if I was doing it in-house and I'd have to probably build it locally then try and move it to production and then try not to break something and knock it offline and then everyone screams and then hope it's secure <laughs> the entire time yeah. you're doing it and you've not missed like one configuration you weren't too aware of uh, which I've fair, done on one or two VPSs to be fair is see when it comes to gen- general cloud computing so like the three main providers obviously there's other providers you've got like GCP so Google Cloud Platform Azure and AWS the security baseline by default is pretty good like yeah. the, the, what they have the only caveat and this is a, a little bit of a bugbear with AWS but I think they're fixing it soon when you deploy an EC2 instance in AWS it doesn't support it only supports RSA SSH keys 
Um, so top tip, anyone out there. Um, it doesn't support more secure SSH key standards, which is just just a tiny bit of a pain in the ass. But that's are the ones that it does support fundamentally insecure at the moment, or is it more of a future proof thing where they will inevitably um, get worse as time goes on? I think it's a bit of both. So as far as I understand it, um, the NSA has cracked RSA. I'm not a hundred percent certain of that, but I think I'm pretty sure they've cracked RSA. And as You've a result, heard it here first, folks. <laughs> I think it was on Twitter like yeah, last year, but yeah, cool. you heard it here second, folks. Uh, <laughs> we'll get Weejicast verified next, so we can have verified podcasts. Oh my god, that's the second time. I'm actually going to beep out. I might go back and beep out the word verified every time you said it, just to just for fuckery. Um, <laughs> but yeah, uh, so yeah, okay, well that, that's an interesting uh, interesting one there, Andy. I'll keep that in mind. Uh, maybe they'll change that. Oh, they, uh, they are. There is a change in progress. Like I, I, I reported at TWS, not as a security issue, just as like, fucking fix this, please, you bunch of idiots. Yeah. Uh, in, in much more... So in the meantime, they should just all, disable all SSH keys. Yep. Yep. <laughs> Passwords for everybody. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, God, that'd be the worst. Uh, but yeah, that that's I suppose that makes that an interesting. So you're saying obviously by default, mostly a lot of these cloud things are more secure. I do that. It does make me wonder, and we kind of talked about this with Meadow on the last episode. Like, um, how much is there going to be as much for security analysts and oh, yeah. engineers Ab- to do with the cloud or less? Oh, oh yes, absolutely. Oh, yeah. Like the there's a problem that's not going away and it's the human race the human race is not going away anytime soon we're working hard at it to be fair with the way the world does at the moment i mean having having a bit of a having a bit of a cull last year with the the pandemic kind of didn't really help things it made it global warming's probably not helping matters yeah but like people keep having kids and then they keep making the problem worse because they're having kids that are like not understanding security because they're growing up with like technology being being digital natives but that's a pro- that's a that's a discussion for another podcast entirely but one of the things is that just because a platform's secured by default most human beings are fucking idiots so they will make a make a mistake <laughs> and and yeah that that's what makes life easy for for the offensive security side and fucking painful for the defensive side but that's why alex has transitioned over to the offensive side because easy life right yep and i'm offensive yes (laughs) (laughs) i'm not really um, because they've started implementing their own blue team tools on um cloud platforms so azure offers sentinel Mm. as their like Seem. Kind of like a seam, yeah. I think. It's a bit like a seam. Security, instant, and events management. I believe that's what's yeah. Seems, and you, you, I think it's got, it's got built-in rules, and then you can generate your own. But it uses its own language, which is called KQL. Which don't know why they decided to build their own language, but it's Microsoft. Mm-hmm. They, they love they love a bit of proprietary nature because that's Microsoft. And I was like, but then get like to sell courses like for training. Yeah, you know? oh, it's, yeah, just it's all all money, all yeah. money. That's it. It's like SQL but for logs. Yeah. But not like and then it's completely different how Splunk make you search their logs. So it's great fun trying to learn everything. <laughs> well, I suppose that's um, where things like Sigma come into play. Sigma being like a general globalized standard for rules and stuff. I mean it's yeah. pretty good. 
for conversion between different different seam tools. So you get a generic Sigma rule and you can convert it into QRadar or you can convert it into Splunk um. or you can convert it into Logarithm or Elastic or AlertLogic or red cloak or like i'm gonna list all the fucking seams but like no oh. you're good did you you're just good. google generic seam and start reading the podcast <laughs> that's what you just done i could hear the typing but, uh, no but that, i mean that that sounds like an interesting thing to do because surely from a secure like an industry standpoint um that's much more preferential surely to do that so it can be deployed in as many places as possible rather than yeah one person maybe yeah. having to port it over like that versatility sounds like it will do a lot of good for a lot of people i would think yeah and i also looking into it it seems um it seems like it's a, it's a lot nicer for also the in-house security teams or if you are just a small security team and you just run azure ad sentinel seems to do just about enough to cover you if you want to then go and investigate your own activities or have your own alerts that you can go investigate yourself yeah the 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 microsoft stack in general has got a lot better in recent years like sentinel is great as um defender for i mean they've got a lot i I don't know what defender's called these days but you've got defender for endpoint you've got defender for azure you've got defender for fucking data you've got defender for just about everything but it's got lots of functions built into it that enable blue teams to have a much more efficient job and an easier job vulnerability scanning for one with defender for endpoint um i, I recently just did a bit of research on that not the chance to lab it or anything probably I won't get that but i don't it does think vulnerability scan. it is it does it does run about scanning, but i don't believe it's out of beta yet i think it's still in beta um because i was chatting to a microsoft engineer about this recently and they're they're um first of all it's only accessible if you've got an e5 license which yeah, yeah costs which an arm and a leg well actually no you can you can get an e5 license but i'll chat about that off podcast yeah. because they're it, it's not illegal but it, there's there's a hooky way of doing it <laughs> um so yeah anyway getting back on topic so like we've we've talked about like the cool stuff and security what you're interested in um like so far what's been like the, kind of the most challenging thing you've come up against it can be either education or like in your working career or transitioning or what what um what's been your biggest challenge thus far I think the biggest challenge has been the transition between being a student and then real life because going from writing assignments, doing tests and just studying, like the, the, the end goal is just to get a good grade and graduate. Whereas then moving into the industry, that's actual people's environments yeah. that I'm looking after and what I investigate matters. Like, it's not like in, in uni I could probably go do an assignment for like an hour if I got bored and I, I knew the next day I could pick it up and I could go do something else. When you're working in a blue team you can't really be lax about anything or any one incident. It's got to be like a hundred percent on everything. Cause if you slip up, that's someone else's money and environment. And if at any point I ever thought, Oh, I think I've seen this before. It doesn't look that bad. And then don't do a, like a even an initial investigation, I am putting that company at risk of 
well, I've seen them use PowerShell before. It's been fine. I've seen them run Word macros before. It's been fine. But if I take a risk, that's one, that's my job on the line. Yeah. And then two, that's that entire company network online because that guy can be three hours away from ransomware or worse. Sure. And actually, like you say with Andy, it's literally just said, like, uh, he'll use living off the land kind of techniques. So, like like yeah. you say, you're looking at stuff that's quite common and an attacker might do that as well. But I guess it's the nuances between, like you say, like whether you investigate or not, like is it normal or not? Like that sounds like a real fine balancing act. <laughs> it's been, yeah. yeah, damn. So it, it was kind of the main challenge was the mindset and then getting the confidence mm. of, I suppose. Okay, I, I can I can investigate this. I can then go contact the customer. This is and I need them to act on it. Yeah, mm. I suppose t- taking that in your stride, like if you could tell anyone or tell someone like who's starting out their career, be it in blue or like transitioning to what you're moving into, which is kind of pen testing, what would you tell them, or what would it be? Um, or if you could tell yourself, if you if you, if you were in the same position you are. You were a year ago, but you had the experience you have now. Like, what would you, what would you tell yourself? I think I would just tell myself, don't rush, don't try and pretend you have the confidence. Don't try and be something you're not to impress the people you're working with. Mm. Just go and ask questions. Go and ask to watch people, or ask them just to watch what you're doing. And just be patient with learning the beginning bit and getting to grips of actually moving into working because, yes, I was very determined to get a job and I wanted to work in this area, but I had no idea how to do it at first. Mm. I still don't have an idea and... how to do it, so I, I, don't, don't worry about it. <laughs> yeah. So it was just don't rush it because as soon as you get cocky, as soon as you think that you're, well, you might be ready, but just always try and make sure that there's someone there to double check at first because. It's okay to make it, but it's also it's okay to make a mistake, but also then own up to it yeah. and try and learn from it because that is someone else's environment you're looking after. That's someone else's money yeah. and company. Got to be humble and yeah. So pretty much that. That yeah, is no, that is excellent advice. advice. That that is yeah. I I hundred percent agree with that. Be patient about things and don't. Don't rush. Well, I suppose the, big, the biggest comparison is like don't don't compare yourself to people who have been in the industry for a longer period of time because you everyone's sure. on their own timeline. Like just because somebody who's one of your peers is learning at a much quicker rate, you've got your own focus, you've got your own concentration, and not to compare yourself to your pals who might have been in the industry for a longer period of time or it might have a different path or fuck, just drop my phone um, or <laughs> anything else really. <laughs> so yeah. No, like I said, that different path for sure. Because 
I was speaking to a client not that long ago who uh, I deal with a lot of you know IT staff, um, all different levels, like top, to the very top to the very bottom front line. Um, and I come across a lot of people who are like studying IT, but are really interested in security. And I always love those conversations because it always ends up, you know, they're, they're always really curious what you're doing. <laughs> like they, they really want to engage with you and learn from you and talk to you and stuff. Like, and you've, I'm quite new myself. So uh, I was doing the same thing <laughs> not all that long ago either. Uh, and uh, the, the thing is, like, we we're talking about different paths, like, one or two of them that I've spoke to, one in particular I can remember, it was like, oh yeah, it was going really great. Like, you know, I, I was learning lots, like, you know, I was doing really well. I was up there with the top of my class, like um, me and my girlfriend had a kid and I just wasn't able to study anymore. Like, I kind of felt like I fell behind everybody else. Like, and I was like, well, that's the thing. Like, everybody does have a different path. Like, not everybody's going to be able to, you know, accelerate their learning up because they've got other commitments to go uh to deal with like you know lives to live um so yeah not comparing yourself to someone else is a really big lesson as well i think um and like you say just i think being humble and being wanting to ask questions is such a big deal as well because uh, we all have to do it nobody doesn't do you know what i mean Every everybody asks questions, and I mean this is the one thing I tried to emphasize to my team currently is that there is no such thing as like a stupid question. I mean yeah. there, there are stupid questions, but if you treat them in a in a manner where the person who's asking them can learn, and they're they're capable of learning, don't penalize people for asking stupid questions because that way they don't learn. If you encourage them to ask more educated questions and maybe add a bit more structure around them then yes they'll improve but don't be afraid to ask questions because that's how we all learn every day is a school day and i mean i learn new things every day i learned today that um how to actually start the recording for this podcast in 48 kilohertz because i always get it wrong or 40, sorry, 48 <laughs> yeah 48 kilohertz I always have four- a school day andy it is every day is a school day but it's it's sometimes yeah. the little things you learn that mean i mean not that this is going to make any difference at all because we've already got ridiculously high quality audio all the time but going off topic uh yeah don't don't be afraid to ask questions it's it's good for sure yeah so do you have any uh obviously you've already said like much like myself like not not a huge amount of kind of work experience so i i would maybe struggle to answer this particular question myself so don't feel you have to but uh, do any interesting moments come to mind uh from your experience of working in the industry so far Uh, anything that stands out um Not really. I've not had anything s- super amazing. Being invited on Weegeecast? <laughs> oh yeah, I've been, been, been invited on Weegeecast and I, it, it was really interesting talking to Andy about him get, self-getting verified. <laughs> <laughs> you can come back. Like, you can come back. <laughs> you can replace Andy. <laughs> Thanks. I'll come back for the three-year anniversary. We can do a catch-up of what it's been like going from blue team to red 100%. team after a year oh, okay, that would be... be the longest term booked in podcast we've ever had like this time next year for anniversary number three we'll do an episode two fucking class i mean mm-hmm. i can't believe we're on 22 episodes that that's that's <sighs> quite know. that's quite <laughs> remarkable if you think about it that's that's on average one a month like 
22 people have wanted to talk to you, Andy. Oh, no, not 22 people. Like, probably <laughs> 16 people. And if that, they haven't wanted to talk to me, I want to talk to chat to Dave, because Dave is Jesus. Okay. 22 oh, wow. people have wanted to speak to Dave, because he's amazing, and then Andy's just been sat there. <laughs> <laughs> it is crazy. Like, I can't believe, uh, I suppose that this has gone a bit off topic as well, uh, from talking to yourself about your interesting career so far, Alex. Uh, but, yeah, I suppose we might as well take a moment to mark what has been a, a pretty crazy two years um i suppose for me like you mentioned earlier andy for me there's definitely a connection with starting this podcast and the kind of beginning of my career and then like talking to all these interesting people that have been at really different part, parts of their career most of them have been you know quite experienced like yourself and then obviously we've got alex here who's in the same position as me and can starting out you know and all the fun that comes with that well you, and, you've uh, also it's been a great conversations for you've like, also become voice so famous in your in your career you've become <laughs> voice famous like for for the listeners out there and and some of these listeners might be some of dave's colleagues at the moment dave was recognized you're that guy on ouija cast i recognize your voice <laughs> yeah pretty weird moment <laughs> moment i think it was twice yeah so yeah i mean there's that there like it is but it's more about the yeah, the amount of valuable conversations that we've had and the, the amount of people that seem to still tune in and listen. Like we've got a lot more people in America at the moment than we've had at the beginning. Uh, and the numbers, I think, monthly are kind of, you know, up and up every single month. Uh, and it's all down to the amazing guests that we have on that are kind of willing to share their stories. And, uh, you know, and I take a lot of lessons from that and I hope a lot of other people do as well. So, so yeah, two years. Here's to many more. And thanks to people like yourself, Alex, for coming on and making it what it is. We learn a lot. Like, we sure do. I, I learn. This is this is going to sound mental, but I learn every single guest we have on. I learn new things, regardless of if, if they've been in the industry for ten years or ten minutes. Like I learn, I learn new things every day. Every I go back, going back to the school day stuff, but like it, it's true. I learn from people. I mean, I've learned a lot from Alex about bits and pieces, not 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 um not just on the podcast, but like outside of the podcast and and. When the fuck have I ever taught you anything? I mean, I mean, you taught me, you taught me how to use role-based access control in Discord once. So I mean, that was alright. And that was not a fun event because you ended up making fifty rolls. Oh yeah, that worked. <laughs> Alex and I like to chat on Discord and brag about our uh, tidy uh, Joplin uh, note-taking. Oh, yeah. From time to time, when think, we nerd out on that, I think you'll find that I've got pretty good notes as well. <laughs> I just don't I've use your fucking <laughs> shitty fucking open source crap. They're, they're not. They're not Joplin. Like, uh, for, you just don't fan girl like we do. <laughs> no, that's it. And to, to anybody listening at home, and it's open source, Andy. Before you start complaining about me, like advertising things. No, uh, that's open all right. You can project. advertise it. I was just wondering if you were going to mention your mentor this podcast, like you do every podcast. Which one? Uh, <laughs> I've got many. Right. Um, <laughs> Joplin, note taking software, cross platform, including command line, which is kind of cool. You can back the stuff up to the cloud. Sponsored by free. Joplin. <laughs> uh, and, and supports encryption as well. But uh, I basically got one Dropbox that contains all my notes that are encrypted. Uh, and every single machine that I've got, laptop, desktop, VMs, like, I'll just plug into that. And I've got my notes everywhere. Uh, it's awesome. I highly suggest other people. Can I can I make a suggestion there, Dave? Don't, don't put all your eggs on basket. If that goes down, you lose everything. I've got backups. Ah, Good. Good. Backing up, backing up your shit. It's important. Yeah. Anyway, transition. Test your backups. 
Oh yeah, do do disaster recovery absolutely, and and make sure you <laughs> test your backups. Make yeah, sure they're fine. Test your anyway. backups; it's really important, and make sure t- test your power as well. If you lose power to shit, make sure you know how stuff happens. Because yeah, problems. Yeah. Going off top again. We've, uh, done our, we've done our two year bet. All right, so we we can continue. Our uh, spiel. I've witnessed a moment. Yeah. You've witnessed a moment. That's I've it. Witnessed. Um, what is an interesting thing you've learned in 2020 or just over lockdown since this is one big merged year of still March it's it's still March 2020 <laughs> oh my god don't even say that like... <laughs> please don't <laughs> but um... that would still class me as a student <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah is there anything you've learned either a technology that you thought has been cool or a tool that's been kind of cool or Oh, life I've learned how to use Splunk. Yeah, there you go. There's one. And apparently, my, my apparently my my description of it is wrong, but I like to call it the Google of logs. You're probably right there, to be honest. It's very, it's it's uh, it's very amalgamative of things. You can search for shit. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that's a much more succinct way of uh, of putting that there. Um, yeah, no, that's cool. I actually set up Splunk um, yeah. myself to learn uh, just a bit more about it. Uh, I've the, Andy definitely put this on to me uh, when I got started, so I might as well drop it here as well. Uh, building stuff. Obviously, we've talked about you, you can do this in the cloud now, so if you don't have a yeah. powerful computer uh, or anything like that to be able to build a home lab, like... You can set up a full one in the cloud, like on a trial basis, and deal with like yeah, networking side of stuff, maintaining stuff. Like just build virtual machines, including Kali boxes in the cloud, and just uh, you know test that way. Uh, and a big yeah, deploying stuff has been a massive thing for me. Like deploying Splunk was good. Building my home lab was good. Like uh, I definitely feel more well rounded from a security perspective having built stuff. Um, as I was from jumping on try hack me and trying to break stuff, um, which you don't really get to build, I think, when you try those platforms. But so, how did you, um, how did you learn Splunk? Did you kind of set it up yourself with some computers, or was it through work? Uh, it, it, it's been through work. It's it, it's something I use every day. So mm-hmm. it's been a progression of I've never used it to then. Now I think, I wouldn't say I'm the best at it, but I did, I've done two Splunk CTFs now, and I came third in my first one, and then we did a global one, and we came 35th out of 120. That's really good one. Yeah. yeah, for sure. So, I went from no knowledge to then being able to use it every day, and then use it in challenges so i think i've done quite well Absolutely. and you'll be able to bring that into your red team in as well hopefully but yeah it'll be quite interesting to see if splunk can be used in a red team's perspective or in a pen test perspective i'd imagine it would just be from I have no idea. how someone else will probably interpret yeah. well not what you're box. doing as a red teamer i guess well but, this is yeah. the thing that a lot of people i'm not saying that you guys don't know it but like when it comes to pen testing it's not so much about the hacking it's actually about how you recommend things to clients and depending mm. on a client environment if you've got an understanding of how a specific technology works and if the client is using that technology you can better recommend like there's in the past i've written splunk queries for clients because i'm like this is how you hunt 
like rogue RDP sessions, or this is how you hunt um, like users that have been inactive for a long period of time, or like I'll write them a query for Bloodhound or similar. So having a, a diverse understanding of defensive technologies, you can recommend that to clients. Um, obviously, most consultancies mm, are sure. vendor agnostic, but it's based on the client environment. So if the client uses Spunk, you can help them write stuff. And if they if they use another technology, you can be like, well, look for X, Y, and Z in your event logs or whatever. So it's good. And then from an offensive perspective, yeah, you've got the, the this is this is what might trigger an alert, or I've seen this before from a defensive standpoint. This is what I might do from an offensive standpoint. So yeah, really fair points. Yeah. Sure. Oh, I'm just. I th- Taking a taking a breather after listing off a bunch of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you can breathe between sentences and even words, like if you, if you so choose to, Andy. Oh, really? That's mm-hmm. uh, that's uh, every every day, every day. Every day. <laughs> <laughs> no, that, that's really fair point. So, like, uh, I think yeah, and fingers crossed, you're both to take uh, some of that experience over. That's pretty cool. Um, what do you do? Obviously, you've already mentioned music, and I imagine that will be probably what your your answer to this may be but uh what kind of <laughs> yeah. stuff do you do to kind of uh detune and unplug uh when you you know finish that 12-hour shift and maybe you choose not to go straight to bed uh, uh what what other um, stuff interests you alex uh, the, uh i usually detune my guitar and then unplug my laptop <laughs> <laughs> <Drop D. laughs> um usually when i'm not at work or i've not done or finished work i'll usually try and get some music in because that's always been an escape for yeah. me if playing guitar and writing songs some absolute terrible ones <laughs> i think you'll find We've you got those. i you used play to play my cars phenomenally <laughs> i learned that just for you so i think crackless. i've seen some twitter videos of you now think about it alex yeah. uh did you put some videos up on twitter like over the last kind of yeah, I, I got bored one day and I started to film myself and yeah, then I got really a few good. on my... I think a few on Instagram. Um, but I, I I like to write songs as well, but my naming conventions for when they're starting out are just terrible. Nah, it's always the same, isn't it? Like, Because I think one of them which got completed and we... my old band performed... Um. It was kind of like a slow ballad rock song. And that started off with the name um, Bing Bong Donk, I think. <laughs> <laughs> it's all part of the creative process. Of course, of course. Absolutely, uh, yeah. To be fair, I mean, whenever I'm writing, it's mostly digi- digital music. It's normally just on my own. But like, uh, yeah, it pretty much always ends up like, I, you're kind of like, right, I've got to name this track. And then you just get complete brain freeze, uh, and then you go for something like track one, and then at some point you're going to search for that track, like, and you've got like seventeen track ones on your computer. <laughs> it happens to me just, all the time. Like, I have to. It's like the first thing that comes to my head is what I'm going to name it, so I can at least find it again yep. when I come back. Yeah, but nope, you got to listen through everything you've ever created because you got <laughs> yeah. a thousand track ones. You should see my Ouija cast files. I'm not going to lie, Andy. Oh, dude. If, that's the same, as me. It's the same as me. Same as me. Like well, when we, we were just before we were starting and we were doing sound checks and stuff, I was like, "Oh yeah, I'll save Ouija Cast to the Ouija Cast folder." And I was like, 
Oh, bollocks, I've got like nine Ouija cast <laughs> folders. I've got so many, like, and I've got them backed up in hard drives, and but the thing is, I've copied them over, like, so I've not copied, yeah, well, yeah, I've effectively copied them, so I've still got two copies, so, and I'm never sure which one's which. Uh, oh, God, my file management's awful, we'll have to fix that. I've, I've got the same for everything, but, I mean, on, on the bright side, it means you have backups of everything, multiple oh, times. Oh, this is true, this is, but I'll be missing the one thing that I need, like, whenever yeah. I need it, like, I don't think we will. But, yeah. uh, no, you never know. We, we we did talk about putting them on YouTube at some point, so who knows? Well, this is true. We might have to do it for that. But yeah, uh, but yeah, Alex, uh, music, um, Meadow, who again we had on last week. Uh, she's big on her drums, um, and a lot of people. I mean, Neil Lyons uh, is massive. Neil as well. Oh yeah, Neil's great. He does a lot. Makes a lot of tunes. Uh, Ghosty. Ghost, Ghost uh, plays guitar. Ghosty's in a band. Guitar. Yeah. Is it really? I have yeah. no idea. Like, plays, plays festivals and stuff. It's remote. No way. Phenomenal. Awesome. Oh, yeah. 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 I, you might have even said that at the time and I've Paul, forgotten. Paul but... Ritchie. Paul Ritchie made he us does. a tune for he the He did out... make us a tune uh, at the end. Of have you got an opening jingle? Uh, uh, a closing jingle. We, we, we do have an opening jingle, jingle as well. Uh, or do we have no, no, we had an opening jingle in the first episode, which was Choose Life, Choose. That was the one. Some yeah. other shit. Choose security, fucking yeah. hacks. Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, many, many episodes ago, but yeah, uh, we loads of people like, and I, I think that's for good reason. Like, because the one thing about music is it can take you away from your keyboard, which I think fundamentally, or a screen. Unless, um, unless you're a keyboard player, and then it then it takes you to a different keyboard. <laughs> oh, get out! Like, <laughs> get out! Like, uh, yeah, I mean, it does, it does, and not just that, like, it physically takes you away from it, but, like, uh, it can, you know, mentally take you away as well, because uh, it's just it's such a different activity to, yeah, the relentless learning and screen time. Yeah, and then if I'm not doing that, I'll just go out for a walk. Uh, but I probably stick music on as well whilst I'm doing that. But that's just to get outside and mm-hmm. go see something completely different other than my bedroom. An office and kitchen. Get, getting yep. outside, going exploring the countryside, getting like taking pictures and stuff. It's always fun. Or in my case, getting eaten alive by midges at this time of year. It's just, <laughs> just not not fun. Not well, fun. a big thing uh, that I always appreciate and I've obviously joined you on is like uh, you go out for lunch obviously every day, Andy. Um, oh, I do. Yeah. With an awesome group of guys uh, who are always really interesting to chat to, and yeah, you seem to have made that quite a routine for you know getting out as you do work from home and i must admit if there's one thing i've struggled uh with it's definitely it's definitely that i don't i've not built that routine yet i've been able to get out like the last couple of days actually because the weather's been nice up here which does happen in scotland from (laughs) time to time uh i've actually just been taking my tablet and just going out and just reading like uh, i'm preparing for crt so i've got a couple of books and my god the difference it makes to how much i learn in a day just by changing my environment well something else one of the things i'm a massive advocate for is taking your lunch break like in the uk you are under under most uk contracts you're guaranteed a one hour unpaid lunch break so take it like e- even if you eat your lunch for ten minutes, that spend the other fifty minutes outside or doing something completely different, and make sure you take that time because it's it's time that actually I wish I'd taken more of throughout my career. It prevents you from burning out and it actually gives you a fresh set of um like 
skills, I suppose, because you, you have a different understanding of what's going on. Um, you might be working on a problem in the morning, you take a bit of time out, you go and speak to people, or you go outside, or you, you do you play some games, or play some music or something, and then you come back to whatever problem you're trying to solve with a fresh set of eyes and a fresh kind yeah. of mind. It does make a massive difference, like, and like I said, I struggle with it. So, uh, like, uh, yeah, I've got a, a lot of work to do there. But uh, it's all right. You've got time, though. Dude. Like, uh, this is the this is the thing. This is the thing that uh, we were talking about earlier on. Is everyone's got time? We're all on different timelines. This is getting really philosophical. But like, everyone's everyone's a different timeline. Everyone's got like plenty of time in their careers. Like, we're all. I mean, you're an old bastard, Dave. But we're all still quite young. Like. <laughs> Like we're, we're, everyone else is young, but not not you. No, I'm not, not saying. <laughs> <laughs> no, like we're, we're all young in our careers. Like I, I I'm sitting right here. Oh, I'm sorry, Dave, but you're under forty, so it's fine. <laughs> and to all those people over forty listening to this, oh god, this well, they guy. they might still be young in their careers. They, but they're all everyone. Young. Everyone's as young everyone, as you feel. Forever young. Forever young. Forever young. There's a song in there. When you were young. <laughs> Please don't start saying. We're not that kind of cast. Is it there? No. Okay. No. 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 You don't want to get copyrighted. I'm just going to straight up close the episode down right there. Oh man! If you don't mind, just for everybody's sake. Um, Well, you guys write music. I just chat shit. (laughs) Um, Can you think of any like kind of? Embarrassing moments. Any embarrassing moments within your career so far. I know I've had a few, so uh I can think of embarrassing moments in my life. You can either do life <laughs> or career. Uh or if you have one um, in particular you want to. Um I, I think life is I know that industrial bubble wrap doesn't protect your head if you run into a wall. <laughs> Wait, what? Explain. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> so you know the really big bubble wrap when you get like a package, yep. like a big package. This is a, um, so we got a shipment of guitars and music equipment. So it came with like the bubble wrap that's like the size of your hand. Like each bubble is that big. I took the scientific approach of I wanted to know how strong it was and how much it would protect something. So I wrapped it around my head and ran into a wall. Mm-hmm. Classic test. Classic, classic <laughs> test. I was 17 at the time, so... I you were going to say, I, w- I was still. 7 at the time. And, uh... <laughs> no, I, I was 17, so I still I should have thought this through. And I just ran into a wall. Mm. And <laughs> it didn't It didn't help. <laughs> I had a bruised nose for three weeks that I thought I'd broken. And that's why, yeah, I mean, I guess that explains why you got into Blue Team, like, which I'd imagine. Wait, what? Often so- feels very similar to <laughs> hold, running hold, into a brick wall. Hold on, <laughs> Dave. Hold on, when Dave. You got people like Andy coming up with their living off the land. No, 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 no. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, I set fire to an industrial estate, and that's how I got into Red Team. That's not, it's not like it's like a total, just different transition. I don't know. Shut but... <laughs> oh, I I blew I blew up a fucking B and Q. Now my tip, yeah, that's how I got into blue team because I like blowing shit up. I was making a joke that was a bit <laughs> shite. All right, like just just, just my fun fact. Um, I think I think that's my most embarrassing. I wondered them. Yeah, I'll put it up there. I've <laughs> had I probably had more embarrassing moments as being a student, but 
I don't remember them. What happens at uni and... stays at uni. Oh yeah, I've done some... <laughs> not terrible. I've never done anything terrible. I've never been mean to anyone. I'm just moments where I was a complete idiot. We've, we've all, all we've all done it. Yeah, we've all. So I, I think a un, I think a un, during uni, I just developed a saying of, "I'm a smart when I'm not being an idiot." <laughs> probably probably a good motto and mantra to run with, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so definitely one for Ouija cast. Uh, <laughs> that could be our mantra, to be frank. Well, is our mantra not not safe for what, not safe for life? <laughs> I mean, this is true. Yeah, we don't, I forget we got that. Yeah, yeah. Isn't that Reddit? Oh, I mean, it could be not safe for work. <laughs> all of Reddit. Yeah, uh, I think it might be. Yeah. yeah, we might have actually. And um, embarrassing things during work. Um, I think it's just. One day I just couldn't get something working, so I burned through. I think it was fourteen EC two instances, and then figured out. Well, not figured out. I remembered I was dyslexic, and <laughs> I was running the um, installation commands with the wrong spelling for the full day. Oh no! But because there was no one else to ask, it's kind of like wing it. I was like, I didn't have like a human spell checker because. Command line doesn't have spell check. Someone needs to build. Well, them. actually, funny story. It does, or you can get plugins for it that do. That do like ZSH has got um, auto suggester, which will like auto correct your spelling and stuff, which is pretty cool. I need yeah, that. Pretty. Yeah, I, I didn't realize for a full day that the one thing there was one command. Got it completely wrong all day. Oh, that's easy done. To be honest, I've had similar <laughs> issues with creds. And Nessus before, like where like I've copied and pasted over from maybe I think it might have been from Windows to Linux, like and it or it was into it was into maybe Cherry Tree, like it basically it changed one of the characters and from some conversion of copy and paste, like between machines, like but it changed one character. I think maybe in a back tick instead of a uh, what you call the other one that looks like back single quote. Single quote, yeah. So, yeah, and it's literally the full day, like, <laughs> I've been kind of like, why isn't this working? And the client's getting super fucking annoyed, like, and it's like, look, you give me the creds and put them in, like, there's nothing there, like, and then you get at the very end of the day and you're like, oh. oh. <laughs> uh, and then you obviously don't tell them. And you're just like, well, I don't know what fixed it. Like, uh, magic. It was magic. <laughs> I don't know. Like, I just copied and pasted it back then and it worked. But, yeah, nightmare. Absolute nightmare. I hate those moments of it where it's like the last, like the end of the day or somewhere else when you finally figure out this what you've been doing wrong. I remember during my um, building my product for dissertation, I would have, a, I would be doing something completely wrong, or trying to test a feature, and then at four a.m. for some reason I'll think of the solution, yep. and then wake up like. Do I go and code it now, <laughs> or do I wait till the morning and hope I remember what I'm thinking the solution is? Happens all the time. I mean, that's one. You need that little audio recorder. What's well, one reason? Just use why your phone. I, one of the reasons why I have insomnia is that exact reason. Like I'll be yeah, working yeah. on a solution at like four in the morning, I'm like ah, that's the that's the fix for it, and I'll get into trouble from the rest of Cyber for being online at stupid o'clock in the morning. <laughs> yeah, because I, I I think I was trying to figure out why. Because I had I had hard coded coordinates, and trying to figure and they would work, but then I had a massive file, and I was trying to think, why is this file not working? But the hard co- but this test file is working. 
And I didn't realise that I didn't. I was missing a full stop somewhere in all the coordinates. Is that? And that took me two. It took me two weeks to fix. Yeah. And it was just a full stop. Yeah, I know that feel like the joys of programming, the joys of working in tech. Like you, your best laid plans can just be torn apart by a missing single yeah. character. I know oh, it's, <laughs> it's chaos. Well, back back on the what's the penul- penultimate. Second ultimate? Does penultimate mean second last? Words are hard. I believe. But anyway, what what are your words? Words. words. Yeah, words are hard. <laughs> English is not my first language, so it's fine. Scottish is. Uh, <laughs> what what are your plans for the future? Um, move to pen testing. Fair. Fair. I guess. I guess that I, I, that's my first step, and then then yeah, we'll take it my, from there. <laughs> My hope is then to pass probation and pass all the training and then start doing live jobs and going to clients and progressing, really, and then seeing where that takes me. I think for me, probation and my next cert, which would probably be uh, probably a very similar career trajectory, I think, to yourself, like maybe doing CRT or was it CS, CPSA? Uh, yeah, yeah. You know, one of those will be kind of my next one's coming up. I imagine probably other, not too dissimilar to yourself. Other check team but, member certificates are available. We're not a single yeah, well, single um, I am body. Specific. Uh, well, maybe, but if you for most work, you probably need to have one of those if you're going to do government work, right? Yeah, I suppose you do. But anyway, but, um, we we, yeah. we digress. So, yeah. So. But yeah, uh, it's basically like, like that's going to be one of my next kind of goals. I'd imagine it'll be probably something similar to yourself. But I think for me, like say, kind of getting past probation and maybe getting one of those under my belt will really kind of cement what, what I feel will probably cement my career properly. And then from there, I guess the world is your oyster and there's just so many options from what you could do in this industry, which is part of the joy. And I think oh, part yeah. of the reason why a lot of people are drawn towards it. Yeah, it's just I think it it changes so fast, and, and something new comes out every year. Every so day, who knows what I'll I'll, I'll end up specialising in or where I'll, the future is because future's bright. In three years, you you can jump, you can just like move to a different team if you've been working for five years in the industry. You then even less than that, like have, you, you might find that you start your career in pen testing and you might because you're you're saying you have aspirations to do cloud security you might find that a position opens up to specialize in cloud security after like six months or something you never know like this industry is so diverse in the skill sets that people learn and the progression is actually relatively quick like you were saying dave pass your probation well if you think about it you're actually halfway there already like, I know it's crazy. It's it's ridiculous how quickly time passes. Like I started my new, I say I started my new job, started my job like five months ago. Feels like just yesterday we were chatting about me starting. So no, no, it does. Oh yeah, I remember. Crazy, that. it's crazy. Yes. Is there anything on a final else note that you would like to plug? Uh, anything, any content out there that you like? Any people doing cool stuff? Anything you're doing yourself? Uh, Everyone go and follow Andy so he gets unverified. <laughs> Does that happen? Wait, what? I will lead that campaign. <laughs> what? Unfollow me. Oh, yeah. don't, no, don't. <laughs> no, don't do, do that. <laughs> Just leave him with the bots. 
Actually, to be fair, I could do with pruning my followers. I, I swear that I tweet something out about three people see it, like usually. So. Oh, actually, no, um, that's not true. So, just for a second on the the, the numbers thing, I, I looked at my analytics the other day because the only thing I've noticed from being verified thus far is you get better analytics. I've had eight million people view my uh, tweets in the last three days. Eight million. That's like the population of Glasgow. God damn, that's yeah. a lot. Yeah, scary. No, sorry, not three days, three weeks, but still. Like, I was going to say three days. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's been, to be fair, you've had the... Uh, I guess you can do a self-plug, Andy, or, you know what, I'll do it for you. I'll no, do it for don't, you. don't plug me, don't follow no, me. I'm, gonna, <laughs> don't, I'm, gonna do like, no. I'm not saying follow him. I mean, you should follow him, but like, no, I'm not saying follow him. But no, uh, print Nightmare. <laughs> Oh um, right, yeah, that's a good thing to cover. Come you off. do it. You you plug it because it's a good blog and it's also actually maybe something people should be thinking about. So what no, did you do? Uh, I wrote a blog post. Oh, I, I wrote I wrote a thing on GitHub uh, about Print Nightmare defensive stuff, but I'm not going to plug it because I'm not plugging corporate stuff on uh, the podcast. Go go and go and search for Print Nightmare detection and you'll find it. Yeah, that's, that's a good article. I can confirm. Uh, I learned a lot from it and it was very plainly written. It was fantastic. So. Uh, but yeah, anything else, Alex, at all? Uh, or anything um, you'd like to... Listeners can go follow me on Twitter. Um, at Captain Gent. The D is silent. <laughs> um, that's about it. I haven't got anything. I haven't got my blog up and running yet. That's been a project I've been working on, but it's been... Yeah, help. I know that feel. <laughs> I've been saying it for two um, years now, and I'm just like, yeah, maybe I'll write a blog about this. It just never happened. So, yeah, good luck. Good luck if you manage to get that up and running. And when you do, let us know, and we'll tweet that yeah. stuff out. Yeah, go follow me on Twitter. I post music, sometimes security, <laughs> and mainly about cars. Cars are good. Cars are good. Well, are good. thanks for joining us, Alex. Like I say, we've had... Like a lot of people from that have been in the industry for probably too long, uh, and I think this will maybe just be the start of trying to bring in more people uh, that are at the beginning of the journey and seeing you know where they're at and following the progress. So uh, yeah, thanks, thanks for your time. Thank you for having me. I look forward to my invite for next year. Yeah, your your, your invite. Yeah, for for (laughs) yeah, yeah. next year. (laughs) <laughs> tune in for part two of uh, Alex's <laughs> Ouija cast uh, on uh, 13th of the 7th 2022 20, uh, where we'll just be coming out of lockdown 2022 where it will still be March 2020 <laughs> <laughs> oh god don't even say that but uh, yeah thanks very much man and um, we'll, we'll see you soon Let's click stop. Stop Thank recording. You. Bye. Bye. Thank, thanks. Th- Bye. Thanks for everyone. Uh, oh, I should probably uh, outro the thing. Thanks for listening to Weezy Cast. Cheers again. That's awful. It was. <laughs> it was awful. I'm sorry, but it's just one of these things. Bye, everyone. Bye.